Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Rocky Three, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith, and introducing Mr. T, written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Who is introduced? <laughs> His first role, I think. This is this was pre eighteen then, right? I would assume. Or around the same time yeah. that I was getting off. 82? 1982. Yeah. Excellent. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. We're continuing on our Rocky franchise cask review. And up next is round number three, Rocky Three from 1982. A big year for Stallone in 1982, because not only did this come out that summer, but he also had First Blood coming out that same year as well. So Big summer. Busy guy, yep. <laughs> Sly in the body electric in full effect. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that for sure. Yeah. But let's start out uh, Let's start out with a, a drink here. We're continuing with the Blantons. Uh, before, we, before we drink, though... Uh, what do you think of this bottle so far? We've never we've never dabbled into this one. Um, what's your impressions of it three times in now? Well, I really like it. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a bad bottle in a while on purpose. Yes. Um, so, you know, we're, we're buying good stuff, I think, and enjoying it. But this has been really enjoyable. I, I don't have a, a list anymore of this one or that one. Yeah. I feel like the last four bottles have all been really good. This is also really good. Yeah. Um, if I was to put Blanton's and what was the bottle that we killed before this one? That was the High West uh, Yippie If I put those two in front of you. Mm-hmm. I could tell the difference. I could too. Yeah. But would you, I don't know if I prefer one versus the other. Yeah, they're both pretty good. It kind of depends on what kind of a mood you're in. Mm-hmm. So cheers. Cheers, Jesse. Excellent. Yeah, it's very smooth. It's nice. Very nice. Um, I I like a like a, a smooth drink that kind of is really complex after you kind of get, get into it and it kind of lingers around for a while. Like that, that's kind of like becoming my favorite type of whiskey. Well, yeah, smooth at ten thirty on a Saturday morning is kind of a good start. That is, <laughs> and even better start. <laughs> let's go ahead and get started with our flight question. Perfect. It's already a different type of movie going right from the beginning. <laughs> That's one of the things I know we're going to get into, but the music yeah. for that is so indicative of this time and what we're seeing change in film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's starting to get a little more fast-paced and a lot more rock, rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Go ahead and hit us. So we got a, a, a special guest entry into our flight and nightcap this week. So a friend of mine is giving us both the flight and the nightcap. So, Mr. Brad Dubs, this is his entry as a newly minted honorary Rye Smile Nation member. Mm-hmm. And we spoke a little bit this week. And I think this is a very interesting flight question. The question essentially is in threequels or trilogies or series of three films, which 
series has a middle entry that was bad, quote around bads. Yeah. Now that could be in context to the other two or just generally speaking. And I think he had a couple of interesting ideas. Okay. Okay, so his first one was Silence of the Lambs with the middle entry being Hannibal. Mm-hmm. I probably would echo that sentiment, although I, for me, that series did not rescue itself with Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. That stupid tattoo on the back to me was absurd. I'm but, actually reading that book right now, and it's a, it's a good read. Yeah. Yeah. And but, I like Manhunter. Yes, you do. Yeah. Hannibal was atrocious. Oh, though. yeah. That's ridiculous. When you have one half of the team, no, actually... 33% of the team, because Jonathan Demi isn't even back. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, you're you're not starting off on a good foot. <laughs> so I think that's a good one. Yep. Uh, then he did the Indiana Jones trilogy with Temple of Doom being pretty weak. Mm, yeah. And then rescuing itself with Last Crusade. Yeah. I think that's fair. And then we went with Die Hard, Die Hard 2, and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Okay. Um, I, li- I like Die Hard 2. If you go back and listen to Die Hard, I'm, I'm fairly fond of most of that series. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are all arguable positions and um i think certainly the first one to me is rock solid in its critique yeah again i i, I don't love red dragon but hannibal is yeah that's awful. that's a good one awful yep so then i guess we'll go with that okay. um what do you got this was interesting this is an interesting question just because if you're lucky to have a trilogy you kind of need the second film to kind of be a bit of a slam dunk to even warrant a third one so if the second one is bad uh that makes chances for a third one kind of moot like uh so uh but i went to horror because you know there's a very loyal audience there and i had to pick the exorcist to the heretic like what a meaningless just a non-consequential film that is essentially oh, what a rough criticism meaningless and non-consequential yeah Ouch. it's essentially just a, a greatest hits of the first film with some of the actors coming back you know john borman you know uh deliverance directed director of deliverance took a stab at that and there's just there's just nothing there it didn't it wasn't until blatty came back for part three where he's adapting his own novel legion that um, it became kind of like this uh, crime investigation film with a really great jump scare in the middle of that film with with a nun mm-hmm. and a pair of garden shears. Oof. But man, there's almost nothing redeemable about Exorcist 2. Maybe I'm in a minority of that. Maybe there's Exorcist 2 fans out there. Really? I'd, I'd love to meet you, but to the slam dunk that is the first one, one of the, like the 10, 15 greatest films ever made to follow it up with that. And ugh, yeah, that's, that's my choice. Ugh is right. Yeah. Inconsequential and meaningless. Ugh. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to go with horror. Mm. I'm going to go to the nightmare on Elm street series. Okay. For the success that one had in the house that we, that Freddie built, which yep. was Miramax. that we talked about no, way new life. I'm new sorry. Life. New life <laughs> yeah. way back when. Yeah. Uh, I think one works in a space where it's gritty and Freddy's supernatural abilities are really showcased well. And I think the thing for slasher horror, whether it be Psycho or any of the latter iterations, that really plays well for me is when you're attacked in a very vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. Naked in the shower with nothing but a bar of soap and maybe some shampoo to defend yourself Mm -hmm. or when you're asleep. Because you're really not, I mean, you're conscious, but you're not awake and able to shape the what happens yeah that second film washed away a lot of that grit for Mm -hmm. me and just became a little too polished and you had an interesting comment earlier that i thought was was very profound and i'll let you kind of echo in just a minute Mm -hmm. with that 
the movie, it's not terrible. It's not Hannibal terrible. Yeah. But for one, to be what it was, and then two, and then you get what we're sort of talking about with Rocky Three, I think, mm-hmm. and Nightmare Three, A which total is change in tone, kind of an action horror film, The Dream Warriors, yeah. and I think that movie is superb. Uh, that, that might be the best one. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah, we need to maybe run that series someday. Huh? Oh, I think maybe the film you're talking about might be showing up here in the not too distant future. <laughs> That's called a tease. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to go with Nightmare on Elm Street Two. There's Fred, other ones. Freddy's too. Revenge. Yeah. yeah. The thing that kills it for me is, yeah. you know, Freddy exists in dreamland and there's this, a decent chunk of that film where he like emerges into the real world and it's just a suspension of disbelief of how you set up the rules in the first one so well that how can you kind of bring bring that back in and it just, it doesn't fly with a lot of the stuff that they try in there. Bringing him here among us in a waked state mm-hmm. changes him so much. It takes away what made him cool. Yeah. The thing about dreams, yeah, we all have them. They're ridiculous. There's no geography or linear progression. It's just the random neural firings. And I know people out there are like, well, this means this and this bullshit. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. None of that means anything. That whole dream therapy is the biggest crock of shit on the planet. <laughs> but nonetheless, Freddie seems to have sovereign dominion in that space and it's your subconscious, which means he's in control and you're not. Yeah. But here in the wake state or the mortal plane, I, I have guns yeah. and matter and, and mass mm-hmm. and it just, it ruins it. I like part two because the lead character's name is Jesse in that. Let's see if I can do my best Freddy here. <laughs> Jesse's dead. And that was good. <laughs> I like that. It'll, I'll bring it back for the, for the, for the part two episode. No, that's a great entry, but to go from, yeah, one to that and then get dream warriors, like two's the outlier in that, in that, in that combination right there, because one and three are pretty great. Agreed. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Brad, thank you for that great question. Love your entry. And yeah, it really got me thinking and we'll come back to you here at the nightcap for another, another great discussion. Thanks Brad. Welcome to it. Yes. Thank you. So let's get to what we're here for, happy hour time, and our review breakdown of Rocky Three. He's just another fighter. No, he ain't just another fighter. This guy is a wrecking machine, and he's hungry. Hell, you ain't been hungry since you won that belt. Oh, what are you talking about? I've had ten title defenses. That was easy. What do you mean easy? They was hand-picked. Setups? Ah, they were setups. There was good fighters, but they wasn't killers like this guy. He'll knock you into tomorrow, Rock. So let's start at the beginning, Rocky Three. We've already established our formula last week, our Bond-style formula. So we got our opening title crawl against the championship belt, because that's kind of what this film's all about: is a a, a tug of war for for this belt to who's the world champion. And we get a, our nice recap of the end of part two. It just. Yeah, the ESPN top 10 moment of who's going to uh, climb up the ropes first. Beat the 10 count yeah. by a whisper. And then we get to the to the kind of the opening of the film, which is a montage set to Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. Now, I said this in the Karate Kid episode, and I said it on the Instagram, uh, one of the photos this week. Joe Esposito wrote, you're the best around for this film. 
to be used in this sequence. So you're the best around. Nothing's <laughs> going to ever keep you down. Right. Yeah. So, and then Stallone probably heard the sample and was like, yeah, I need something a little more rock. Actually, oh. the, the conversation was probably, can my brother sing this? <laughs> no, he can't. Was, really. So that killed it. Oh, yeah. Frank Stallone twice in this film. Yeah. Three times, maybe. Been hired, actually, to work the glitzy training route. We'll get to that. Well, that's interesting because then in Ramble Part 2, Frank Stallone sings the title track of that song in the end credits. I guess he's got a set of pipes that his brother appreciates. Yeah. He's actually a decent career yeah. in like Italy with some of the film that stuff mm-hmm. that they did there. Frank Stallone's a known quantity, just not <laughs> yeah. here stateside. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was supposed to be it's supposed to be that song. And I'm kind of glad they went in lieu of Eye of the Tiger because this film this song just sets the tone for the entire film and it becomes the moniker of the theme of the film, which is reclaiming that eye of the tiger, that killer mentality, that look that's just like that's your intimidation factor. I like your best around, but that that is so appropriate for a Karate Kid. Exactly by John G. Avildsen. Like it's it all comes full circle. Boy, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I like this opening montage. This opening montage is is great because it does a thing that I like in sequels, and I don't think sequels do this enough. Uh, Iron Man films is to really prop the hero up on its shoulders mm. and then juxtapose that with the rise of the villain. A film that I think does this really well is actually The Dark Knight. Yeah. And we've talked about this, and there's actually that one scene in that film where Gordon shows him the footage, and he's like, what about this Joker guy? And he's like, one man or the entire mob, he can wait. And I like when heroes discount the threat in the corner in the shadows. Yeah. And that's what Lang is, laying on the streets into training in his dungeon, like looking terrifying. What's also great about it, too, is this movie's only 96 minutes. Yeah. So we're moving away from the two-hour pace that the first two set mm-hmm. for a more frantic, frenetic, action-styled movie. And if you want to split-screen it, boy, you save a good five or six minutes of screen time. Oh, yeah. And then also on top of it, the images are right there in front of you. So here's Lang running in the streets and training, doing pull-ups on ropes, eating raw automobiles. Destroying his opponents. And we see the rankings go from like 10 to 9 to 8 to 7 and just kill shot after kill shot on these hapless. We see the return of Joe Zach, who I guess is back from Europe having lost the 20 pounds that he dismissed him in the first Rocky film with Creed. Because remember, that name is mentioned. And that's also what I love about it, though, too. Self-referential. Yeah, exactly. My favorite Lang knockdowns when that guy's, like, on all fours, and then he's just, like... Boom. Grabs him by the by the neck and just hits him like they would never let you do that. Yeah, total disqualification. <laughs> but we're understanding that Lang is out for blood. And then, M- meanwhile, yeah, meanwhile, Rocky's living the good life. Yeah. What I what I liked in that montage too was remember in the last film how he couldn't even do like the the deodorant commercial. Yeah, and this one he's doing American Express one, so he's very comfortable in that space now of promotions and putting himself out there. Tony Lama spreads and GQ, Ferrari, Testarossa, <laughs> all these very fine brands that now have taken him and used him as the poster boy. And I have to say. Mm-hmm. Stallone looks like a million bucks in this. <laughs> yeah. It may be aged and it may not hold a day. Yeah. I told you when we were watching it, I love that European styled suit that yeah. doesn't button down the middle, that buttons on the side mm-hmm. with a bit of a higher neck. Stallone looks marvelous. Yeah. And he's happy that him and Adrian are rolling in the grass. They're making out mm-hmm. family. He's telling stories, you know, about the biggest conflict in his life up to this point is can I keep Polly sober enough to not destroy the family? Yeah. Meanwhile, 
in the shadows. In the shadows lurks yeah. Clubber Lane. Yeah, look, just training like a like a very determined fighter. I found this on uh, on um, online about Clubber Lane. I don't know where this came from. Maybe the novelization because film novelizations. I think they get a look at the script, but then they have to pad a lot of that writing. So they start coming up with stuff. I want to read Clubber Lang's alleged backstory that I found Sweet, out. Okay. So awesome. Orphaned at a young age, Lang spent most of his childhood on the streets of Chicago's South Side, as well as spending time in orphanages and juvenile facilities. Uh, Clubber was sent to prison for five years for one count of a felony charge or an assault charge. While serving his sentence, he discovered the talent for his talent for boxing and a way to vent out his frustrations. And I was like, I, I found that very fascinating and a lot of times you'll find that in novelization is just kind of expanded lore of a character's backstory that the film doesn't have time to really get in the weeds with. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Fits. He's a formidable opponent. I mean, and we'll get into the weight here at the, at the end, but he's like 40 pounds bigger than, than Stallone is. We talked a little bit about this off mic, but I think maybe this is the time to do it. Mm. Mr. T, Clubber Lang, was nominated for a Razzie for Worst New Actor in this film. Yeah. I, that, I don't it, know why. That's not fair. Yeah. And, okay, no one cares about fair, really. Mm-hmm. But what do you want him to be? I mean, we have the braggadocio villain in Creed. We're going to have the stoic villain when we get to four. We're going to have the family dynamic villain ugh, in five. <laughs> We're going to have Father Time in six. Yeah. We need this urban he's a, he's, presence that's everything you just said against Rocky's refined state. And, as he's, a, says, and he's a motor mouth, man. He does not shut up. Just runs his mouth. Yeah, I got some great clips of him here coming up. But no, I think he's, I don't think that's an appropriate assessment. Worst new actor. I mean, he's a formidable presence. Uh, he's a motor mouth. He like really gets in your head. Um, yeah, he brings, I think he brings a new layer to the, the villain aspect. He's different than Creed, different than Avendrago. Um, he has his own kind of place in this pantheon of villains. Even the look when he shows up to challenge Rocky at the, the statue ceremony. Mm-hmm. Denim, those crazy earrings that are like feathers and yeah. sort of like tribal, but almost from like in New Mexico, like almost Native American tribal. He just looks unique. And saying that he's the worst new actor... I, who else is going to play that part? Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's not a good assessment. Yeah, it's, that's garbage. But those Razzies are interesting because you, you know I like The Shining. The Shining got nominated for a shit ton of those. Like that's bullshit. Yeah, uh, rightly so. It does get them right, like Battlefield Earth. Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> Every squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Yeah, exactly. And like or pick low hanging fruit. However you want to go. This is neither Ex- a nut or fruit. The other uh, antagonistical element in here, well, you said it. So, you know, Polly's really uh, (laughs) disappointed that he doesn't have, like, a much stake in this game, and he wasn't asked to move in, and he's hurting for this, and he he still has that mentality from the first film that he's owed something. So him and Rocky kind of have it out, and he just, like, I want to be involved more, so kind of rightly puts him in his corner to be somewhat of a family presence. He's not good with advice. No. And then the other element before we get into the into the main event here with Mr. T is this charity banquet with Hulk Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips, the ultimate male against the ultimate meatball. <laughs> I asked you um because I, this must have just I must have just missed the cusp of this uh, or it just I never got into it fully. But I asked you if you were really into wrestling uh, around this time. 
Hulk Hogan's fame began, I believe, on a Thursday night on USA Today in whatever their WWF at that time wrestling show was. I don't remember what. It wasn't Nitro or Raw. It was just whatever that was. The champion at that time was the Iron Sheik, and he had a very specific hold that he would put people in, and nobody ever got out Mm -hmm. except Hogan. And he got out with all of the Hulkamaniacs and the power of the crowd elevating him to a supernatural state. And the Iron Sheik goes down. And we are born into the era Mm -hmm. of big-time wrestling. Yeah, I can't tell you if this is before that. I think Thunderlips as Hulk Hogan was that this is prior to that big, big seminal moment in WWF history. Okay. But it's close. Excellent. And... To answer your question, I was all about it. Jimmy Superfly Snooker, the Junkyard Dog. Yeah. Um, I, I was all about it. It was on Thursday night. It was on Saturday afternoons. I Yes. Yeah. How could you not be? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm just aware of how big of a like a thing that was back in the 80s. Like yeah. That was like a big part of like subculture was this wrestling phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. Toys, um, the gear, little like finger puppets where you would have the wrestler on your thumb and you would like do a thumb war with somebody with the wrestler on there. Nice. Yeah. This is, yeah. This whole phenomenon is beginning. This charity match is absolutely insanity. Like it, there's just supposed to be like an exhibition, just a friendly bout, make it interesting for charity. And Thunderlips goes, I love the berserk. Line. Thunderlips has gone berserk. Like he's throwing the ref around. He's throwing the cops around. He's throwing Rocky out of the ring. He's like, that back break, oh, like, oh, he's just like paralyzed Rocky right there. Like, Jesus. But Rocky's like, I got to fight this guy, like, on his terms and, like, really comes in and, and gives it his all. Matt, when I was a kid, I used to think, man, the Thunderlips kind of sucks, man. And, like, he's just, like, such a, a bad dude. I was like, which of the Rocky guys could, like, actually, like, beat him in, like, a match? I was, I was like, I was like, the Russian could probably take that mm-hmm. guy down. Or, like, even Lang would, could probably give him hell. Mm-hmm. But... It's a nice interest, and it just kind of feeds more of what Rocky's ego is right now. It's the glitz, the glam. I mean, they fight on his ring all the time. Like, the, he has a stallion logo that's the center of the boxing ring. And he's just, he's, he's on cloud nine right now. He's got everything. And even at the end of the match, I mean, they, they, they make terms and they snap that Polaroid. But the city of Philadelphia is going to gift him this, this new statue, and he's going to call it quits. I mean, what more does he have left to prove? So... I want to ask you something. Okay. Everything you just said, I agree with. Mm -hmm. And the action bit and all of those things. Do you like this, that sequence in this film, the Thunderlip sequence? I do. You do like it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you don't find it such a suspension of disbelief that it doesn't take you out of the film and like make you struggle to get back into it a little bit. I don't think so because I think I realized like what year it is and like what, like what the time is and wrestling such this, this big deal. I could kind of see something like this kind of, kind of, kind of happening, but it, it, it really, it really kind of hammers in what Rocky's kind of arc is in this film, like really starting out and I'm doing the boxing to fulfill a certain kind of lifestyle. Now at this point, I have less of the drive and the initiative in that my, my heart's in it less. Uh, this is, this is like a, a prime example of that. I don't think, but it, it's also fits the tone of the film. I mean, I had the tiger, yeah. the style of these boxing matches. We're, we're going from a sports drama to like what I, a sports action film is essentially what this is. It's faster paced. It's a shorter run time. And it has more of a, uh, a goal with, with, with what it's trying to do. It's just trying to like really entertain us. And that, that, that sequence is part of it. 
think I'm stuck in the middle on this. Yeah. I love the reason that he's doing the fight. It's for charity. Mm -hmm. And we talked about last two weeks, how Rocky and his ability to box is what is providing for a lot of people that now are dependent upon him. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that that would just be extended to the community that has embraced him and that loves him. And I I don't know if it's for youth league baseball, but it's some very altruistic cause Mm -hmm. like that. It's also fits because, you know, if you know anything about wrestling, even back then you could tell it was all fake and put on. Doesn't mean it's not entertaining, but it, so that kind of fits in the exhibition space here too. And it also fits because that's what Rocky's come going to come to know about the lineage of title defenses that Mickey has set up for him. Handpicked a bit on the exhibition side versus the com- competition side. And all we're doing through this is setting Rocky up for this really monumental fall when all of that is taken away and what he's used to provide for this entire cast of people that relies on him <clears throat> is stripped away mm-hmm. in the first fight with Lang. Yeah. So that's all the good stuff. The other part for me is just, <laughs> it's so strange in in the space that it's, maybe just because it's nostalgia, that it, that's, that's Hulk Hogan. And yeah, yeah. So I don't know, I guess that's my answer that I gave you to the question that it's you did perplexing a bit, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I don't dislike it mm-hmm. in some weird way. Like a lot of things in film sometimes yeah. it works. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep going. Excellent. Well, let's get to this kind of setup with the, the fight with Clubber Lang. Don't get a sucker, no statue. Give him guts. I told you I wasn't going away. You got your shot. Now give me mine. Why don't you get the hell out of there? Shut up, old man. I ain't going nowhere. And why don't you tell all these nice folks why you've been ducking me? Politics, man. This country wants to keep me down. Keep everybody weak. They don't want a man like me to have the title because I'm not a puppet like that fool up there. You know, you've got a big mouth, you know? Why don't you come out and close it, bad boy? Come on. Get the ball. guy's crazy. Don't listen to him. The little man don't want to come to me. Then I'll come to you people and lay out the truth. I am rank number one. One! That means I'm the best. But this bomb been taking the easy matches. Fight another bomb. I'm telling you and everybody here, I'll fight him anywhere, anytime, for nothing. Fight him! But you people ain't never gonna see it happen because he's gonna retire. You see, he don't fight no real man. He fight them setups. What? You're as disgraced in this sport. Shut up, old man! You and that chump don't know where I have to come from. Bad boy, your family doing real nice, ain't it? You call yourself a fighter? Prove it now. Give me that same chance. Yeah, he's really laying it on thick there. And then we find out in kind of the dissolution with him and, and Mick back at the house is that he set up these title defenses with Joe Zach and all, all these guys that are past their prime, like easy title defenses. Because he was worried. He's like, if you fought anyone like Apollo, you would get, you almost got killed that last time. He's like, I wasn't going to put you out there like that. And this is very disheartening for Rocky. He's, he feels set up. He feels, I think, a little bit betrayed by Mickey that – he would doubt his talent and his ability to fight. And Mickey, I think, is just doing it with the best intentions to, my job is to keep you safe, to protect you safe. And if you're going to go about fighting Lane, you have to do it without me because I'm not going to get involved. <laughs> and after you've gone to a split decision with in the film franchise, the best fighter that ever was, and then beaten him, barely, but beaten him, what else do you really have to prove? Yeah. Okay, so you take a fight against Joe Zach. Again, it's not like you're fighting Spider Rico. 
No, no. Those guys, when they're getting those fights, Joe Zach and all of those other types, they're going into the ring with the intentions of beating Rocky. Mm-hmm. You know, short of them taking a dive for some mafia element, maybe uh, Gazzo got his, his mitts into Joe Zach too, and he took a dive in the third round. But it's not like they're not trying. And Mickey tries to explain that to Rocky. Look, they were good fighters. It maybe wasn't ranked number one or number two contender, but you just beat six, seven, and three, uh, five or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, weigh that out. And that's part of the natural progression of boxing anyway. Mm-hmm. If any of you are familiar with the the squared science, most of the time when those guys finish a fight, would they really get pummeled? Mm-hmm. It happens in MMA too. Yeah. They're never the same. Mm-hmm. Like there is a place where your body only takes so much damage. And then if it goes back or that is a familiar place, it reconciles that by shutting down. It's just preservation, man. Yeah. Like that's a basic human function of survival. Yeah. And I like that Rocky's addressing that, the film, and, and Mick too, Rocky. Because Apollo has beaten the hell out of him. Twice. Yeah. Twice. Yep. So I don't begrudge Mick that. And I don't think that makes Rocky any more of a paper champion. That's that's everyone. Yeah. But he's he's got something to prove now. He's he's gotta fight. He can't just because he was called out on such a public stage at the crowning of his trophy for the city of Philadelphia, uh, he can't just walk away after that. I mean, he has to go shut this guy up, and then we can put this beast to rest. Now we can be happy. You know, Jesse, in my life, the most dominating presence I've ever seen in a physical combative sport was without question Mike Tyson prior to Robin Givens. Mm-hmm. I mean, given the name Kid Dynamite, and if you survived two rounds in those early days, it was something. And a lot of it was because the heavyweight division at that time was atrocious. Yeah. And secondly, he was knocking out guys that had career records of like 23 and 42. Mm -hmm. That means you're 70 fights in, losing more. That's not taking anything away from Iron Mike, but that's a natural piece of fighting. Mm -hmm. And Rocky, again story and fiction versus what the sport is actually is taking on the same challenge that everybody else does. And there's actually another piece of this that's important. And I think it's a little bit forgotten in this movie. After you win the title, if then you have seven straight title defenses, you're letting yourself recover against lesser competition and then setting up a bigger payday against this other guy. Mm -hmm. That's the big fight. Yeah. So we're setting it up. Maybe there's not the money that is in boxing and and the promotions in 2020, but in 1982, that was also a thing. Mm -hmm. Leonard Duran, Leonard Hagler, Hagler Hearns, like that middleweight division that was so fantastic in the mid 80s was so fantastic because those guys had time to recover from the fights with each other before they set up the next one. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean any of them were tomato cans, but they fought some or paper champions. He's just, yeah, he's just, he's not conditioned enough to to fight this guy. And then we see it in the following sequences or they're working out in this gym and it's just like a promotion like gym. It's just like a store. <laughs> yeah. Uh people buying Rocky memorabilia. They got a band there, Frank Stallone singing uh songs. Been hired, yeah. And it's just he's gotta stop the the the, the bag to to strike a pose and he, it's like he's not working out properly. And then we show that and then show Lang in his Chicago dungeon. 
uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I always love the the the, the pull up with like the rope strings. Like, yeah. what the hell? Like, yeah. uh, he's like really like in a different headspace. Like, he's coming from a different place, training that way. And then Rocky, he's just it's he thinks he can just walk into it without like really kind of giving it its all, and he's gonna pay dearly because when we get to the fight. They did such a good job of setting up Lang that they can't even get into the ring before it even starts. I oh, mean, yeah. they're just letting each other have it, like, on the precipice of the walkway. <laughs> there is nothing that's off limits for Lang. Yeah. We see it at the statue scene when he plays the race card. He talks about the bureaucracy of boxing. He challenges Rocky's woman to come meet a better man. Like, everything is in play. He attacks the elderly. Like, this guy has no limit to how far he will go. Yeah, he just shoves Mickey out of the way, and as we're about to get into, this is going to be the downfall of Mick, who's been dealing with a heart condition for, for a while. I think it was even set up in the last film, too, actually. We've talked a little bit, I think, in the last weeks about the similarities between this franchise and the Old West. Mm-hmm. We've contended on this show for a long time that the, the crux of the Old West is the civilized versus the uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Mick tells Rocky... You can't beat him because you've had the worst thing happen to a fighter that can happen. You become civilized. Whereas Clubber Lang is still doing pull-ups on ropes and eating raw steel or whatever the hell he's doing that is so raw or savage. Mm -hmm. If he's going to punch out an 85-year-old man, Mm -hmm. what the hell is he going to do to Rocky? Exactly. Because actually, I think Mick, at this time in the movie, is probably less civilized. Mm -hmm. He's probably still more savage than Rocky is. Rocky's gone soft. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what, what he's gone. Yeah. So when they're there in that kind of just like that jawing state and he gives Mick a, a shove here, this is like such a deal breaker for for Rock like because like Mick's having like a like a massive to <laughs> go like heart attack right now. Yeah. They're about to fight. He's like, I gotta call the fight off. He's like, You ain't calling it off. You can't walk away now. Imagine what they'll say about you. You gotta go out there and fight. And like you're like, how do you imagine like you gotta go fight now without your lead guy in the corner? Try your best, but we, we, we just see when we follow Rocky into the ring, and even in this sequence, his eyes are wandering, they're drifting, like he's like really distracted. Now to give instructions in the middle of the ring, your referee, Marty Denken. Clever, Rocky, you know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back up my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. Did me. Like, Rocky's, like, really shaken at this point and goes out there in round one to really kind of put this guy down as fast as he can. Oh, man, Clubber. We talked about it. The sound effects and his fighting style is so dominating. It's just, like, these, like, left and right hooks that just, like, Mm -hmm. and Jesus, man, Rocky takes a beating in this first round, like... And they're about the same height, but you said it really nicely. He almost has, like, this kind of, like, overarching, like, hook that just... It's like an anvil being dropped on Rocky's face. And belittling, too. He's knocking you down. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how he throws that. And again... Well, I love it before it even starts. I mean, he's like, he's scared. He's scared. He's like, I'm going to be the champ. He's already calling it. He's, like, so confident that he's like, man, I already got in this guy's head. At nine years old when this movie came out and I saw it, I was scared of him, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And the punches that he waylays Rocky with in this are thrown from Chicago Mm -hmm. and land with all of the force of the jet taking off and landing at O'Hare. I mean, they are 
colossal blows. Yeah. And the style that we've sort of made fun of with Rocky in the past, which was I'm going to block everything with my face so you don't hit my stomach, is not the case now. He's not blocking. He's just getting trucked. Two rounds is all it takes. Well, it, I mean, we were like, oh, ah, uh, in there. Yeah. Can I ask you, well, let's, let's, are you going to get to mixed death here in just a minute? Because yeah. I have a question for you when go you ahead. get to it. Yeah. Okay. Rocky's going to lose the fight. And then he's going to go back. And at this point, Mick is in the final moments of his life. And if you have sound, yeah, let's do it. are just gut-wrenching now after we wiped the tears away i mean 1982 was the year of stallone crying and not really being able to understand what he was saying because the same thing happens in first blood when he's confessing to troutman on why he's doing and why he feels mistreated the way he is and you really can't understand in both of these films what he's trying to say through that but i like that that's the raw human emotion of like the gravity you feel in these things i mean this is rocky losing the only father figure he's ever had in any of these films. In the first film especially, yeah, some of the things that Rocky says are almost inaudible. Yeah. A bit marble mouth. Mm-hmm. A flying candy. Like the whole bit in the, the ice skating rink. Mm-hmm. You have to work pretty hard to decipher some of those words that he's uttering. If Mick is stripped away, then it makes sense that Rocky is devolved into a much more simple and primal state. Yeah. But I want to ask you a question. Okay. I always wonder what's going through Mick's head when he's having the heart attack and sends Rocky in the ring to fight Lang. What's more important to Mick, Jesse? His legacy as a trainer or his legacy through Rocky? I think his legacy through Rocky. Okay, go run with that for a minute. Well, it's just interesting. You know, when when he sends him out there, I mean, he warned him that this was going to happen. And I like how when he comes back, he says, how long did it last? He's like, two rounds. But he doesn't say who won. So whether Mickey knows this kid lost or he was able to put him down and now we can I can die peacefully remains to be to be known, but... Rocky's given so much to Mick in these opportunities, but like I think Mick has seen in Rocky so much of a potential that he never got to have through his upbringing, his rough upbringing. <laughs> He's getting holes punched in his face. Yeah. 
uh, that I think he truly cares about. I mean, he's living in his house for for God's sakes right now. I think he really cares about him as a, as a, as, a, as a human uh, more than anything to do with boxing. I agree with you, and I don't think anybody understands Rocky in this film better than Mick. Yeah, and I think what Mick what Mick Mick's legacy as a trainer is important because it's the unrequited champion he never became and the, the way to say that and you know this little dive corner of the middle of nowhere in philadelphia club that he runs with mostly tomato cans also like he's finally achieved some level of success but i think what's more important to mick is that rocky is successful because mm-hmm. there's that line when Mick is going through the early parts of that heart attack. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's called the fight, call the fight. And Mick says, how dare you after everything we've been through? Like basically saying, what has all of this meant that if when the chips are down, Rocky, you're going to give up. And yeah. that's, I, Mick knows he's going to lose, Jesse. Mm-hmm. But he knows that even if he loses the fight, if he calls it off. Yeah, that's even worse. He'll be even more cowardly, which is that beach sequence, which Adrian, which is coming here in a little while, we'll get to. Mm-hmm. But not only that, Mick's going to die. He's not going to take the fight. And he's trying, I think, to protect Rocky. Because I would also argue this. When Rocky says it was a knockout in two rounds, do you think Mick believes in those final moments that Rocky was the winner at those two rounds? I don't know. I want to say he'd give him the benefit of thinking, like, I knew you could do it, kid. But, like, maybe deep down he's like, this. he got his ass handed to himself. Because I go back and forth on that too. And I think if, you know, I'm sure he wants to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But if Rocky gets his, you know, head bashed in in two rounds, maybe he's done. Yeah. And his son isn't going to go in the ring and get smoked because he's become too civilized. And so dad doesn't have to worry about son anymore. Yeah. That's, yeah. No, that, that's, that bit, that whole bit to me is loaded in this. Yeah. Film. That's, that's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And then, so yeah, we have to close the chapter on Mickey Burgess Meredith. And then we're going to get to what's probably my favorite part of the film, which again, I, you know, I love these sequels and they really break down the, the hero like this. I mean, Rocky goes and he just throws his motorcycle helmet at the statue. I mean, he hates this monument that's been built to him. It means nothing to him now. Uh, everything's just so confusing. So he goes back to his roots to Mick's gym. And who's waiting there in the shadows is is Apollo. Now, who would have thought, like, back, going back to film one, just how much Apollo just seemed to just hate Rocky or just discredit him. And then even more in film two that he would see him take such a beating and would kind of like want a champion in his corner. Like, I love this. I like when the villain can kind of let bygones be bygones and I'm going to do everything I can to get you back to where you were because what you were was something special and you had the eye of the tiger. You had something. And Tony said in the last film, that man, you kept beating him and beating him and he just kept coming after you. He's lost that. And Apollo knows that's not every boxer's had that. Like Rocky's like a unicorn in a field of just regular horses uh, with this talent. So he's like, I got to do what I can to get him back. It's enemies becoming friends. It's remarkable. Uh, Carl Weathers is Apollo Creed. He's, he's incredible in this movie. His arc of just like taking him down to his roots in Los Angeles to his gym. And he's like, we got to get down to basics. Like we got to get down to, we got to build you speed and it's going to look ugly and this place is ugly, but we got to start building character again. You can't train like you were before. 
Creed's got to resurrect the champion. Mm -hmm. And I mean that word specifically. Yeah. So you said it, the scene that you really like the most in this movie is the motorcycle helmet at the statue of Rocky. Oh, it, it means a lot. Well, it's, tell him where the, the statue's put. Yeah, it's put like where he's been. Like it's his ultimate monument, which is I. Before I fight these fights, I gotta I gotta run and I gotta get to the top of those stairs. Right. That means so much to me in this film and this whole series. And yeah, that's where they put erected this Rocky monument with his arms outstretched. And yeah, it's pull it down at this point because I'm not worthy of that. I think that, yeah, exactly. The mo- the statue, the monument serves one of two purposes, recognizing what Rocky once was, mm-hmm. but no longer commemorating something in the past. Yeah. Uh, and then I would take it one step further. Are we sure it's not a tombstone? Yeah, it kind of is. Because at the end, the next bit is <laughs> the exhuming of the former champion by the rival mm-hmm. to then resurrect him in a new place. That... What are we talking about here? A 96-minute action film? Again, somehow Rocky has managed to weave a larger subtext into this if you want to go that route. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not done an accident that that statue's put at those steps. Oh, of course. That is a hugely important location. It has to go there. I can't think of a better place to to put that. But, yeah, now we're going to get into uh, deep into into the training here. What do you think of all these sequences here out in Los Angeles? I mean, like, Rocky, like, he doesn't look like he's into it. Like... He knows what he has to do is accept this rematch with Lang, but like his footwork's sloppy, like the fish out of water. He's literally like they have him. Can he swim? He's like his name is Rock. Like, what do you think? And like he doesn't have the energy. Which let's just pump the brakes right here because this is probably not true for Stallone. Like I, I so with help human growth hormones and whatnot yeah. got his body fat percentage down to 2.6%. Yeah. And his diet consisted of 10 egg whites and a piece of toast every day. That was it. And that was it. And then he'd supplement uh, like, like fruit on like every other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a two mile jog, two hours of weight training, a nap, <laughs> I bet 18 hours of sparring, 18 rounds, okay. not 18 hours, 18 rounds of sparring, another weight training session. And then, uh, like, uh, like, like a five mile swim. Jesus. Every day to get in to prep here. Like he, he looks the part. He looks incredible. Like like he looked good in the last couple of films, but muscles that you would never ever see like on your body are just like emerging. <laughs> it's like he looks good. I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, you have help with, you know, with science and whatnot, but yeah, the person's gotta put in the work too. I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta eat right and you gotta you gotta work out still. To show how far he's going to have to go, he shows up with those Armani-like suits in a place that makes mixed gym look like the Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are talking very dingy, yeah. underground, dungeon-like, no no space, no fresh air. And this guy shows up with more money on his feet in his shoes than probably the collective of everyone else in their training. Mm-hmm. And what we're showing is just how civilized Stallone or Rocky is. And maybe there's no getting back because you got to strip yourself of all that stuff yeah. in order to get back the eye of the tiger. Exactly. It's hard to do too. Mm-hmm. And, and then he yeah. struggles, doesn't he? Oh, he struggles big time. What's the matter with you? 
Like, uh, Carl Weathers, are you sure you don't want to take a chance at Clubber Link? Because you're in, like, way better shape than Rocky is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hasn't lost a step. The champ still looks good. Yeah. Which is probably why he thinks he can take on the guy in the next film coming up. Oops. <laughs> yeah, big oops. <laughs> yeah. Too soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's in terrific. His footwork's amazing, and um, he's running faster than him on the beach. Like, Rocky just doesn't have it. And then we're about to find out why. And let's get, just get to it. Let's get to the beach scene. Let's do it. The beach sequence. I don't believe in myself no more. Don't you understand? What if I don't believe? That's it. He's finished. It's over. That's it. That's not it. That is it. Why don't you tell me the truth? What are you putting me through, Adrian? You want to know the truth? The truth is I don't want to lose what I got. In the beginning, I didn't care about what happened to me. I go in the ring. I get busted up. I didn't care. But now there's you. There's a kid. I don't want to lose what I got. What do we have that can't be replaced? What? A house. We got cars. We got money. We got everything but the truth. What's the truth, damn it? I'm afraid, all right? You want to hear me say it? You want to break me down? All right, I'm afraid. For the first time in my life, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, too. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. There is. For me, there is. Why, you're human, aren't you? Look, I don't know what I am. All I know is I'm a liar. And because of that, Mickey ain't here no more. You didn't push him into anything. He was a grown man, and he did what he had to do. And you have no right to feel guilty for what happened. You don't. You were a champion. And you did what you were expected to do. And you did what I and everybody else thought you should do. And you want to tell me that those fights weren't real? That you were carried? Well, I don't believe it. It doesn't matter what I believe. Because you're the one that's got to carry that fear around inside you. Afraid that everybody's going to take things away. Afraid you're going to be remembered as a coward. That you're not a man anymore. Well, none of it's true. But it doesn't matter if I tell you. It doesn't matter because you're the one that's got to settle it. Get rid of it. Because when all the smoke is cleared and everyone's through chanting your name, it's just going to be us. And you can't live like this. We can't live like this. Because it's going to bother you for the rest of your life. Look what it's doing to you now. Big scene. These two have never fought like this before. Strange like, fight, though, too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's always in her corner, and she's always in his, and they're kind of at this crossroads right now of life and stagnant, and they kind of have to have this blow-up to, like, move forward, to kind of, like, move forward with whatever you want to be. you got to put it all out there. This is a, this is a great scene. I love it. They're, they're both amazing in it. They are. Yeah. The word that sticks out to me is carried. Mm-hmm. For two films, he's carried this entire group of people that have now decided to pick up and carry him. Yeah. Creed, he carried Creed in the first two films because Creed's legacy was based around Rocky. Mick, Polly, Adrian, we can go on and on about how he chose to champion his own cause and in so doing, brought all of them along with. Mm -hmm. Boy, we're passing the torch now. Yeah. At nine years old, this is the first time I really fell in love with the woman on screen. That's Talia Shire. (laughs) Shire. I'm not kidding. I thought to myself, man, that is a really strong good partner, companion, woman, because she says, Rocky, you don't have to prove anything to me. It's okay to be scared. You don't have to be bulletproof. And I guess I'm asking you, Jesse, who's carrying who in this scene? She's carrying him. Damn right. Yeah, she's got to She's got to make this so she can bring him back to the front. Like, to, to resurrect him again in a, to something that she doesn't want him to do anymore. Exactly, yeah. Like, she's been so against boxing, like, 
from the get-go, like, why do you fight gay? Because I can't sing or dance. And Because she, like, as I said earlier, I think Mickey knew him best. Now it's her. She knows if he doesn't quell the storm inside himself, he'll never be the man that she fell in love with. What are we talking about? A boxing movie? Are we sure? Yeah. To that and to Talia. Yeah. God bless you, Adrian. It's a great scene. It's, it's almost like four minutes long, too, of them just kind of having it out. I used to like, as a kid, I'd be like, oh, man, let me get to more training. I'd fast forward through this scene. But now in my um, in my later years, I've really come to appreciate just how important that is to his arc, this franchise, and like what that means for this film. Because up to this point, we haven't had a moment like this between the two of them. They've always had each other's back. Yeah. And yeah, she's got it. Yeah, you're right. She's got to resurrect him and she's got to push him into the boxing when the whole time she's always been push, pulling him away from it. Right. We have to do this one more time to put this to rest. Yeah. So then we get a great training sequence here. This is one of my favorites in the entire series. Beach training, Apollo training, and we finally start to see him regain that eye of the tiger, that that drive, that motivation. Before you play that or get into that, can I ask you one more quick question about that beach scene? Yeah. Is this Talia Shire's Adrian's shining moment in this franchise? Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Mm -hmm. Like her most important four minutes in the entire film series. They kind of do this again in part five, but we'll get to part five when we get to it. <laughs> okay. Because they kind of have another bit of a blowout in the in the middle of the street that's, that's similar to this. But no, yeah, no, this is, she's been building up for, for, for this moment. We get another one kind of like this in the in the next film, too. Yeah, she shows up in Siberia, wherever the hell that is, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it was that sequence on, the, we'll talk about it next week, on, on the on the steps when he's like, he's like I got to do this, Adrian. He's like, he's like this guy's going to have to kill me because I have to prove that this, they're not, they're, we're going to get into yeah, yeah. Cold War shit. <laughs> 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 There's a bigger message there. Right. That's not just boxing. Well, no, yeah, and then we get this 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 great little training montage and, he finally starts to put the pieces together because he has to become a different boxer in order to fight Lang. He can't he can't play the block the punches with the face this time because I'll just get wrecked. He's gotta like he's gotta kind of become a little Apollo like. He come Apollo always comes in fast, fast footwork, the one, two, boom, 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 boom. And he's gotta really, really put this together. My favorite part shot in the training sequence is them glazed up. And they're both like in sync unison in their footwork, like, and they're just like rocking back and forth. I, I love it. It's so awesome. It's 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 kind of cheesy, but it's um, it's great. It's it's just these two men are in fantastic shape, and they're really in their craft right now. For two people that like never boxed like in their lives to like assume the personality traits and the skills of a boxer, my god, they nailed it, both of them. And see what a good athlete Carl Weathers oh, is. Oh, okay, too. okay. So let's get to the final run on the beach, which is he can't beat Creed here on this like long. It's it's kind of hard to run on a beach too. You know, get your your feet get kind of like caught up in the sand. Like that's a hard mm -hmm. like sprint. There's a part of me that's always thought I I think Carl Weathers kind of pulls up on his speed and lets Rocky pass him because <laughs> because that's we need to see Rocky win, right? But I don't think he I don't think he does it naturally because there's like a shot. And I, I swear, like you kind of see like Weather's arms aren't like in full stride. They kind of like start shrinking and he's like kind of slowing down because he would probably beat him in a foot race. Easy. It's a professional football player. Yeah. I'm sure he's got pretty good wheels. Not that Stallone doesn't. <laughs> yeah. But there's professional athlete kind of wheels. And then there's pretty good running as an actor <laughs> wheels. Regardless, though, it's done in slow motion. And... Rocky finally is able to track down 
the champion and we've reacquired speed. I feel like a lot of this franchise is Rocky trying to get enough speed so that he can just get out of the way enough to save himself, Mm -hmm. whether it's catching a chicken or running faster on the beach, but we're there and more monumentally than I'm fast is I'm Apollo's equal kind of in the way that he's training me. And we're buddies. Like, and we're buddies. We're the no, gun is the trash talking, and the the hate kind of spewed between. And Rocky never really hated Apollo. He's great. Can you want to say something derogatory about your opponent? Yeah, he's great. great. <laughs> um, but Apollo doesn't have that sentiment about him anymore. I mean, he's let the past go. You beat me then because you were great, and I want I want to do what I can to help you. I mean, that that's to, for him to say that is monumental. That's growth in a character arc. That's that's great. When the villain becomes the good guy. Yeah, when, but that doesn't happen frequently. Can you imagine in Spider-Man if like Norman and Peter decided to like team up? Yeah. <laughs> that would be that's a hard suspension so, of disbelief, mm-hmm. but like in here they do such a good job of setting it up that you buy into it. Yeah. Let's get to the 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 rematch, the this this fight and you know Rocky comes into t- maybe even lost like 0.4% more body fat. Damn, like when, when he disrobes and he's gonna wear Apollo's uh shorts from their first fight from mm-hmm. Super Fight One, the bicentennial fight, the the star spangled shorts. And then yeah, Lang comes in. I and that's one thing I've always liked about this. Like Rocky's always been the people's champion, even when he's not the, the in interim champion, people are still shouting him. And then whenever the challenger comes out, they're booing him and like boo, like he's like, he's like, I'm the best, I'm the best. But Rocky's got that look back, and I never noticed it up until this time. So the first time we saw the fight, we see Rocky come in from the left and Lang come in from the right, and they both meet there, the same height. Rocky's eyes are wandering and whatnot, and man, Lang's determined. And this time we see see Rocky come in from the right and Lang come in from the left, and mm-hmm. it's a diff- It's the same shot, and we see the shot reverse shot. It's identical to the first fight. But it's a different Rocky, and he's determined, determined, and he says, I'm going to bust you up. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, like, I'd be a little nervous that, like, I'm not fighting the same paper champion I fought in the in the first fight. And then we said this, like, this is, we've seen Rocky just, like, come out into the first round and take, like, 100 shots to the face, um, gets his nose broken by Creed twice. He comes out. Guns blazing. Yeah, that's the best first round he's ever had. I mean, he looks great, and he's 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 ducking from the hooks. He's actually blocking his face, so he's not getting hit. He's landing punches versus like taking the the punishment. Like he's in tip top shape. He's actually fighting like Creed fights in the first two Rocky films. It's his best single individual round performance of any that we've seen so far. I know he's battered Creed and knocked him down. But the amount of damage taken versus given, it's his best round. Let's get to round two. (laughs) Flip that to round two. That's his worst round. He gets his ass handed to him for three minutes. I shouldn't say that. For two minutes and 45 seconds. About the last 15 seconds, he says, all right. But Does he get knocked down three times? Two. Okay. um, But out on his feet, probably a third time, too. I mean, I love that. So, like, my best performance as the boxer, and then guess what? All the training that he went through with Creed, the boxer's been caught by the brawler, and that shit's not going to work. But there is a little chink in in, in Creed's, I'm sorry, in Lang's armor, and that's fitness. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he's already kind of getting a little gassed in his corner. So we're going back to the annals of boxing here, and Stallone admitted that the inspiration for the way that Lang would be defeated was the rope-a-dope technique that mm-hmm. Ali used on Foreman, mm-hmm. let him punch himself out. Yeah. Now, in that fight, Ali caught the blows and used the ropes as almost like a spring effect to absorb the impact of Foreman's blows to where by round eight, George Foreman is just gassed. Mm-hmm. He can barely keep his arms up. So we're going to play the same thing out. Um, and it's funny is around this time, yeah. I always love to associate this movie with other boxing. Okay. Hagler Hearns is arguably one of the best, number one, mm-hmm. one of the best fights of all time. It only went three rounds. And like this fight. Yeah. Everybody should get on YouTube and watch it. Tommy Hearns and Marvin Hagler, Rocky and Lang each other for three rounds. Now, Hearns is going to lose that fight mostly because he breaks his hand in the first round. And you can see it. He catches Hagler like on the top of his head and shattered his, shatters his oh right hand. And if you know anything about Tommy Hearns, he had a trip hammer for a right hand. Like he set that thing up. And when mm. you caught it, you caught it. Oh, nice. The hitman dropped you. But Hagler ducked enough with his chin to give him like the top of his skull and Hearns breaks his hand. Anyway, he still boxed him for two more rounds. Jesus. With the bro- but watch that fight. It is so eerily reminiscent to the Lang. Interesting. And, yeah, check it out, everybody. Yeah, so he's gonna yeah he's gonna use that technique that you just set up, and then kind of use like Lang's own anger and intensity against him. He's like really gonna get him worked up, and he like we've never seen Rocky talk trash before. He's taking another page oh, out of good. Creed's book. Come on, champ, you ain't so bad. The trash talker, mm-hmm. and he's got he's got a king. Come on, champ, hit my face. My mother hits hotter than that. Come on, come on, let me harder. And like, and Rocky's still taking some shots here, mm-hmm. some face shots, some body shots. Until it just turns a corner, and yeah, Lang looks gas. So then Rocky's gonna like get fully give it to him, and I'll I'll never forget like that final shot. And again, I don't know how you fake this. I mean, it's just got to be mm-hmm. like he's like I gotta hit you for real in order for make to make this look real. Before he knocks him out, there's just like a shot, and like Rocky lands like twenty five to thirty punches on him in rapid succession, beats the shit out of Lang like and machine guns he's trying to block it and he can he's still like taking all of it and then just gives him three 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 big crosses here with with the left knocks him out and that's what he had to do i mean he this is a a fighter laying you can't you're not gonna last 15 rounds with this guy Mm -hmm. the thing is speed and you got to put him out early well we still are like have the momentum or have a chance and that's exactly what he does here there's a couple times in that third round, too, where Rocky starts to get the momentum going and the barrage of punches is just taking Lang and just suffocating him. And what Lang does is manage to fight him off a little bit. So Rocky comes in and it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten blows, and then Lang comes back with boom, boom, two or three big ones. And it looks like he's trying to rust back the power mm-hmm. or the momentum of the round. And then Rocky keeps coming. And it is just the force du jour yep. that is from Creed and the superb fitness that Rocky is in that ends up being Lang's undoing with a heavy dose of what we've seen in the past from Rocky. And it's just, I'm so damn tough. I'm cast iron. And watch. You can pop me in the face. Come on, champ. You ain't so bad as all you got. He's just taking them. So it's a weird combination of what worked for Rocky as Rocky in fights one and two and what Creed has taught him. Well, it's putting to rest the style with Mickey as Mickey passes. And it's starting this new fighting style with Creed. That's good, Jesse. Uh, Good. Here, yeah, here here with the end, uh, with this this final sequence. I think you see the emergence of a new boxer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, no, it's in... 
Yeah, and it's it's an exciting fight. I like that it's, you know, we don't get the one, two, and then we get a montage of this. Like, we actually get a really short fight here because we've set up Lang that this could only happen this way with, with this guy. Well, and if we've resurrected Rocky from the ashes of what were mm-hmm. with Mick, then, yeah, let's see the new version of this fighter. And we, boy, from body to technique, we have a new fighter. And this will be the last time in the, the Rocky franchise that we're covering, not counting Creed, but this will be the last time that they fight for the World Heavyweight Championship because every other fight going forward will be exhibition or street fight or another exhibition. Like, it's more about, it's about proving more than, like, I'm the best in the world type of a thing. So this is it. <laughs> this is it. This yeah. is it. He's going to end with the champion, but not before he fulfills Creed's promise. So he says, I'm going to train you, and I'm going to get you into shape, but we're going to reclaim that eye of the tiger. But then uh, you owe me a favor. What favor? You're going to box me again, bro. <laughs> Third time. Let's settle this. Third time. Let's let's settle this once and for all. And I love this. And it's, they're buddies. Like, this is just like, this is like two friends. They're, they're going to they're gonna have fun with it. Um, but I never thought you would see these two characters at this stage right now like this. This is this is this is cool. When we cut out and they're both about to eat leather. <laughs> we yeah. stopped with the they're both know, they're both know, taking a don't shot. Don't know how there. you fake that. It's done in a the weirdest, compassionate, loving way mm-hmm. between two rivals who are now best friends. Yep. And what better way to send it off or keep it going? I don't know, however you want to play that out. Mm-hmm than to do what they both do best. Now, what's going to happen, and this is going to be addressed again in Creed, Mm -hmm. Apollo wins this third fight. Yeah. By all accounting from Adonis Mm -hmm. about what Creed has told him. And again, Creed's a pretty proud man, but Rocky doesn't seem to offer much resistance. Yeah. I think Creed wins this fight, whatever that means. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know, there's no judges. There's Maybe they just come to an agreement that, and it should be this, Creed's the better fighter. Oh, yeah. Rocky just was good enough at the time to kind of beat him once and then establish his own legacy. Excellent. Yeah. We fade out to more Eye of the Tiger. With the great, great, beautiful. Yeah, I'd love to hang that on the picture. wall. Like a replica of that. Yeah, I bet we can get that on the Instagram this week. It's just such a nice painting mm-hmm. of the two of them. Mm-hmm. So that's Rocky Three. Just uh, a couple things here before before we wrap up. So... Uh, let's see. Morgan Freeman auditioned for the role of Lang's trainer, a young Morgan Freeman. He did not get that role, but that would have been, that'd have been interesting to see, see him, uh, uh, as part of this. And Mr. T's mother stormed out of the premiere after his lurid remarks to Adrian. <laughs> like she was just like, I did not raise you to talk to a woman like that. And oh, she's like, super God fearing and very, very intense. He's like, yeah. And yeah, his mom was just like, she left. She didn't even watch the rest of the movie. That's hilarious. <laughs> Son, you played that role. Shame on you. Shame on you. Let's talk money. $17 million dollar budget. And I actually have a sound effect this week for this. Mm-hmm. $270 million worldwide. This was the fifth highest grossing film of 1982. Not bad, considering E.T. had a juggernaut over the entire year. Let's not go down that road again. Uh it's the highest grossing entry in the series thus far. So for a film that you think, how much more legs can there be in this franchise? It keeps proving everyone and anything wrong. So Apparently. to that $270 million, <laughs> take that to the bank, everybody. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and it's just, it's going to grow again in the next film. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like 82 big year, uh, first blood. And I love first blood. That's my favorite of the Rambo films. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and this one. So yeah, that's that's a that's another banner year for Sylvester Stallone writing and directing this one. And then uh, did he? I think he did write. I think he wrote uh, at least co-wrote uh, First Blood. Oh as, yeah, as well. I know he didn't direct that, but I think he I think he wrote that too. And then write and directs four as well. It's amazing. Let's let's kind of get into some. So, what's your favorite tasting note out of Rocky Three? There's a lot to choose from. Um, I'm going to do something that's a little bit different this week, and I'm going to speak about the production. Ooh. I love that opening bit that's the split screens. Yeah. That's mine. The Palma direct that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, sans the violence, it certainly could be, couldn't it? Yep. It's so well done, and that's such a smart way to pace it and let everybody know exactly where it's at quickly. Very quick. So that's where I'm going to go with that. Mm, that's good. Great choice by who directed this film? Sylvester Stallone. Oh, I thought he was really dumb. Yeah, I don't, hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What do you got? I got to pick. The, yeah, at the moment, I, I had talked about it earlier, him throwing the helmet at the at the statue just for what it represents, like this crossroads that Rocky Balboa has found himself in, not knowing, like, if he can fight again, he's lost Mick. Like, he's just, like, really confused and lost at that point. And, the, and that's, like, the, the turning point into to the resurrection. I think that's the appropriate word to, to use for that because it's he's born again as a new fighter. Amen. What is the oh my God! moment of Rocky Three? I don't know if it's one specific, but it's a series that are all essentially the same thing, and that's <laughs> every one of those tied on Lang's face punches that he throws <laughs> with that white mouthpiece that has the blood spittle dripping off of it and in slow motion, and it is... Like you said, glistened up with baby oil and anger and blood. It still, to this day, terrifies me as much as it did when I was nine years old. If you were to get hit with any one of those. Oh, yeah, you're out. It's either six months in the hospital or instant death. <laughs> instant death. <laughs> Probably instant death. It might and, be, yeah. Um, you know, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah. So when Private Joker shoots himself in the bathroom and we have another version of Red, White, oh, and Blue. Oh, yeah, not Joker, uh Private pile. A part of, yeah, Lawrence. Sorry. Yeah, pile. Private pile shoots himself in the bathroom yeah. and it's red, white, and blue. It's a rough scene, yeah. This is <laughs> weirdly similar to me in a way that the color affect and the look of it with angry, urban Mr. T spoke to me so monumentally at nine years old that it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's not quite that much now just because I'm a bit older yeah. and I know what Mr. T is outside of the ring and in real life. Yeah. It's a teddy bear, actually. Mm hmm. But it's that's a horror movie stuff. Man. Yeah, it is. It it's, is it's frightening. So that's it's, what I'm gonna. It's say. gonna get worse in the next one too. Oh, I mean, shit, we're talking yeah. about physically imposing fighters that just just pummeling people with violence. Drago. Mine, um, I'm. It's, I think it's it's around the same part as my my tasting note uh, choice of throwing, where he's kind of like having this recollection, or maybe no, maybe it's later when he's a. Uh, when he's in the uh, the apartment, I can't remember where it is now, and it's like that montage, and he's like, like kind of reliving like the beating that Lang gave him, and there's just that one shot of him like slow motion falling onto the onto the boxing mat, and his like face kind of does like a like a bounce, yeah, and he's just all bloodied and, and bruised, like like really showing how much of a beating that that he took. That it's the only time we've seen Rocky lose uh, the the heavyweight match, like not by by knockout. Anything else has been like a split decision. Uh, this is the only time we see him lose a fight like like that it, so quickly. 
it always feels like a monumental statue being torn down the way he falls in the same motion. Mm-hmm. Statuesque, like you're bringing it down, um, which is what happened. Got to bring it down to build it back up. Yeah. Who's the master distiller on Rocky three? <laughs> I'm going to go back. Okay. It's <sighs> okay. So I'm going to say Rocky. I'm going to say Stallone again, but I'm not. Okay. It, it is wrote and directed made more money, found a way to keep this franchise going with a new era of hyper-masculine action films. Obviously, it's him, but I have to use Shire in this just because a lot of what I thought at that time, nine, Mm -hmm. the relationship should look like between me and mine, that would be woman, wife, Mm -hmm. girlfriend, whatever, is based so heavily in what that beach scene is there's elements of that that I still adhere to today. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll admit it. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to go and it's mostly Rock Stallone's writing, but nonetheless, I'm going to give it she's, to Shire. She's in that. good. She's good in that sequence. Just because how many times am I going to give Stallone the every week yeah, in this cast? Five out of six. <laughs> so I'm just purposely going another way. Even Excellent. Though it's him. It's I'm going to give it to her. Perfect. What do you got? We got Bill Conti again, okay. and he won't be back for the next one. And I'm not sure if he does come back for for part five. Another great score by him. Real great emotional music, especially in those Mickey scenes. Razzie nomination, be damned. I'm gonna go Mr. T's Clubber Lang like that. Like you're right. Like what more do you want from that character? He's trash talking his mohawk, uh, sideburn chops, his uh, his Native American jewelry, the way he trains, the way he fights, the, the way he just commands the scene. He's a great villain. He's one of the best we've had in, in this. Uh, uh, they're all great, is the thing, in this series. Creed, Lang, Drago. Tommy Gunn. Skip five. Uh, uh, Mason the Lion Dick. Like, they all bring something different to this franchise, and... We're here in Rocky Three, and yep, Lang's great in this. It's Mr. T introducing Mr. T. Introducing Mr. T. Excellent. How are you going to rate and grade uh, Rocky Three? We have Rock Gut, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Call plus. Um, I love it. Mm-hmm. It's really super rewatchable. Uh, I'm having a hard time squaring exactly where I am with the Thunderlips bit. Yeah, I spoke about that earlier. It's not even that I dislike it. I just <laughs> to say I might have to watch it again would be crazy because I'm not going to watch it again. Yeah, but maybe it'll come to me. Regardless, everything else in that, even for the cheesy bit that you said, where they're kind of you know doing the footwork and the ring together. No, I love that. I do too. Yeah, the part where Rocky beats him and they run around and hug each other in the waves. I love uh, that too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but it's not quite as as unique or well done is either of the first two for me. Doesn't mean I don't even dislike it. I really, I might want to watch this one more than either of the other two because it's quicker and dirtier and get in and get out. It's an entirely different movie. But it is different. Yeah. Really well different. It's, okay, so maybe I'm going to change that. Maybe I'm going to go single barrel, and here's why on that. If that's, for me, the uniqueness of the film, Mm -hmm. this is reimagining what's a really well-established entity that's boxing properties in Hollywood in a different way that fit the times. And there's an art to that to keep this thing going when most films are usually exhausted by entry three. So I'm going to give change that to, to single barrel. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna go with that. That's good. 
1982, I think Jaws 3D came out this same year. So we saw the quality that part threes could lend us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go single barrel minus. I think we went, I went top shelf with the last two. And I think Rocky two, my opinion is, is one the best film in this series for me. Rocky two, Rocky two. Yeah. Rocky three. It's like I said, it's an entirely different film. It's an action film. It has shades of first blood in it. Like that pace that we're going to see action films take. This is like right on the cusp of Schwarzenegger coming onto the scene too, like big time. This is like right around like Conan the Barbarian. That might have been the same year. Actually, that might have been. Yep. yep. Give me to look. Yes, please. But that's not a dip in quality or entertaining value with this third entry. Uh, yeah, I think it's entirely unique. It's found its groove as a different style of film, and that's going to carry on into what was always my favorite film as a kid, which was part four. And if three and four found their niche as these like action films with action stars, but still had the heart and gravitas that were set up so well in film two, one and two, amen. Uh, the reason a film series is able to survive for multiple entries is changing tone and style sometimes, but not changing characters and motivations. So... Single bro minus. That's so good what you just said. Changing tone and style. Mm -hmm. As I keep going back to this, people are going to roll their eyes when I use this example again. I think that is such gospel, Jesse. This isn't Tusk to Rumors. Yeah. This is Rumors 2. It right? is. Yeah, it is. Oh, I'll, I'll give, I'll give or, or Tusk Plus, like a good version. I'll give you an equally just as good example. It's the why I like Alien and Aliens so much. Yeah. One's a horror film, the other's an action film. Who would have thought that, hey, if we just switch the genre on this thing, we can make something similar yet entirely different. Well, yeah. And Conan was 1982, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, okay. So it's all happening at this time. Big like, year, right? That's yeah. an important year. E.T., Conan the, the Barbarian, thing. The Thing, Blade Runner, Poltergeist. Wow. God. You lucky kid, you. Have we maybe <laughs> identified for you and me the most important not 67 Bogdanovich Arab year? Yeah, for maybe the emergence of actors and blockbuster filmmaking and just personal films that I worship at. Yeah, why not? I mean, 67 to 73 is sort of our hallowed space, right? Yep. But this year. Yeah, that's pretty And good. I'm sure if we pulled them all up, there's a couple of those we're yeah, not I thinking bet, about. Yeah, I bet we're forgetting a lot. Excellent. Wow. Excellent. Well, let's let Frank Stallone play us out to the nightcap. done frank <laughs> thank you frank <laughs> <laughs> not sure what that genre of music is but man it's good i'm pretty sure his songs for rambo first blood part two were nominated for razzies for like worse <laughs> it's okay god bless stallone for still using his brother yeah That's there you awesome. go yeah no, that, that is great so why don't you hit us with that nightcap uh, also from from brad okay so the question is what's a series that has three films in it that should have stopped after the first one. And the answers that Brad came up with are the speed. I'm sorry, Cannonball Run, Cannonball Run 2, and Speed Zone. Cannonball Run? That's... I like Cannonball Run, the first one. No, the first one's great. A great movie. Two and three, yeah, what a joke. No kidding. 
Um, and then he's also said Die Hard. So those are some examples. Man, Brad's hard on Die Hard. I think it's probably because he loves the first one so much. Well, rightly so. Indeed. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to go first or should I? Yeah, let me go. Uh, actually, you go first. The Hangover. Mm-hmm. Not because I didn't think that there was a story that could have been made there. It's just the story they chose to make there. There's no way that one evolved into what three became. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. How the hell did they get there? Yeah. That's X plus Y equals yogurt. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in that same equation, X is the only variable that's any good. Y is pretty trash, and yogurt doesn't even make sense. Well, Y in comparison to yogurt is significantly more, better, more watchable than that third one. That's so forgettable of a movie. I forget that I even seen it. What happened? I don't know. <clears throat> the Hangover. That's why I'm gonna go. With the that's hangover. a great example of just like an idea that's so good in its initial entry that we want more of that, but. There's not a lot of wiggle room in like mixing it up. Right. Good choice. We've talked about that one a lot. That one's come up a lot on these discussions on worst third entry in a franchise and like sequel that you would like redo or like how would you see it a different way? But here, <laughs> where they should have stopped at film one. It's a backhanded compliment on how solid number one is and just what they screwed up mm-hmm. with a pretty simple concept. Yeah. What happened last night? Let's figure it out really easy. Yep. All right. Give me yours. Well, as soon as you got off the phone with me on this one, I think I told you my answer. Like it, like hit me so fast, like that. It's the Matrix. Yeah, I can't think of a. The Matrix is one of the best, most groundbreaking science fiction films of all time. Keanu's incredible. The Wachowski brothers at that time. Starship. Yeah, put put together this crazy speculation idea of just how things could look different. It was leathery. It was a gun. It was bullet time. It was an emergence on special effects. So anticipation was high in 2003 for the matrix reloaded in May and the matrix revolutions in November of the same year, man, I can't think of two worse duds that like totally shit all over the greatness. That is the first one. There's some things to like in uh, reload that that freeway chase is 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 amazing that sequence but man all that shit with the architect and the merovingian and like the 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 transparent dudes and then three and all its philosophy it got so in the weeds with what it was trying to say it forgot that what it was in the first one which was just the high concept science fiction idea like what if you found out that your reality wasn't reality it was the shade of what the real world is and we can go back and forth in between both worlds. Like that's a great idea. Oh God, I can't even. Wa- I can't even sit and watch Reloaded and Revolutions. Like th- those are that, that's trash to me. Yeah, I, for something I'd give a top shelf rating to the first one, and I'd probably go as low as Rock Cut for the next two. Like man, can you think of two <laughs> disparaging ratings for us here? For me, the only saving grace in two and three is the introduction for me of Monica Bellucci, (laughs) which then led me to a couple other really interesting films that she made. And maybe we'll talk about that someday. Mm -hmm. Um, (sighs) Cave raves, the indomitable effect of a million Mr. Smith's that became so just formulaic by the time it was done, it didn't matter. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne doing the best impersonation or characterization of what Lawrence Fishburne should have. And then, as much as we've bagged on Prometheus for Ridley Scott saying that they create the architects created this disastrous effect because mankind killed Jesus mm-hmm. to use the trope of Jesus and Neo is just such 
bullshit. It got too crazy. It got, it got too nuts with what it was trying to say and accomplish. It just it got lost. That's yeah. That that series ended up being kind of a galactic failure with a great first entry. They're making a fourth one as we speak right no. now. And the only saving grace I could give it is if it kind of comes in like. Halloween and it says, okay, we're coming in and this is like the real sequel to number one and we're going to kind of bypass what two and three were, an alternate path, so to speak, then I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. But Mm -hmm. one and done is is my opinion. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean kind of fit that same realm for me. I like that first one, but... What about Transformers? Is the first one good enough for what it is that you can... Stomach it enough to not want to watch. Like, what about that? Yeah, that one's barely like that okay. one's almost like barely palatable for like as like just raw entertainment. Yeah, that that's that one went the sequel train, and, it, and I heard it got worse. And I, I've never seen past one. How many omens are there? There's four, Three, right? and then the remake. That's probably in yeah. That's a good discussion <laughs> that's too. A good one too. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that's interesting. You know, I think a lot of times you, you, you want more of what was so successful. But this series that we're talking about right now, and but unless you have the vision and understand the characters and can come up with interesting arcs that you're just going to, you're going to stumble mightily. Man, yeah. Yeah, so. Stub your toe big time. <laughs> Stub your toe. Excellent. This has been a great discussion on Rocky 3 from 1982. Um, hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. Follow us there. Um Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. You know, you'll know, you find our podcast on just about anywhere you can type in a podcast. Uh, leave us a rating or review if you like what you're hearing. We, we'd greatly appreciate that. Yeah. And coming up next week from 1985, Rocky IV. I told you this is the first one I ever saw. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I loved this film. And... It has probably the most, you know, the most like life changing like sequence in it for me, which cat out of the bag. You've seen the movie. You know what's coming. It's the death of Apollo Creed. This was like mightily hard on me as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially seeing going back and seeing where it all started. I was like, oh, he's in all of them. And then, oh, he's helping him out here. Are there enemies in this one? And then like to see where it all just comes to a head is just so tragic for me. This, this is a hard moment. <laughs> this is in part four. Tough to kill the people you fall in love with in a series. Mm-hmm. But this at this juncture, yeah, movie's not afraid to do that. Spending so much time with them, great montages, great end battle sequence, and Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago, his first film too. I can't wait to talk about him because, as smart as you and I have contended that Stallone is, we can maybe make the case that Drago's even smarter. This guy's got like Einstein level IQ. <laughs> but no, it's not a joke. Like, I know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like in the ballpark. It's awesome really cool so until then till then cheers matt cheers i gotta get going uh we're gonna go get uh oiled up and we're gonna go work on our footwork in the mirror it sounds dirty but now nah, we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna work on our boxing footwork <laughs> we got some work to do because we're not good we're not like carl weathers and stallone far from it all right everyone we'll see you next week everybody have a great weekend we'll see you in the dark thank you for listening to rye smile films be sure to subscribe to us on apple podcasts spotify Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Rocky 3 is property of MGM United Artists Entertainment Company, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding.